0: United we stand, divided we fall. It was a sad day when Israel divided into two kingdoms. Later in Israel's history, the Jews dispersed and did not come back together as a nation until 1948. The Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. It is also true that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is unity. But how do we maintain such unity? We must guard our hearts, keep short accounts with God and others, practice confession and repentance, eagerly desire unity, walk in the Spirit. And remember the words of the psalmist King David who wrote, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. I'm Ron Jones and this is Something Good.
1: A kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. Hello, welcome to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. I'm Brian Davis, thanks for stopping by. And when Jesus spoke those words, he was referring to Satan's kingdom in hell, but he could just have easily been talking about any earthly kingdom, including ancient Israel. Today, Ron takes us to the book of first Kings, a time in Israel's history when it was inching ever so closely to a divided kingdom. Although the Israelites didn't know it yet. Stay with us now or visit SomethingGoodRadio.org to listen to this program on your schedule. That's SomethingGoodRadio.org. While you're there, check out Something Good Television, Something Good Courses, Something Good Travel, and the new Something Good Digital Library, where you can search for Biblical answers to your questions from nearly 30 years of Ron's Bible teaching ministry. From his teaching series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, here's Ron with today's Something Good radio message. First Kings, United or Divided?
0: United we stand, divided we fall. How many times have you heard a phrase like that? It's a popular motto used to inspire unity and collaboration, and it's true. United we stand, but divided we fall. That's true of any organization. It's even true of a nation. The ancient Greek storyteller Aesop is perhaps the originator of this phrase. You find uh, references to it in two of his fables, the four oxen and the lion and the bundle of sticks. But uh, back in 1858, there was somebody else who had unity on his mind, um, Abraham Lincoln. He delivered the House Divided speech at the Illinois State Capitol after he accepted the Republican nomination for United States Senator. And at that time, he he quoted uh, these famous words from Jesus, a house divided against itself cannot stand, said the future president of the United States. And then I think of another place where unity is the theme. It's actually on the great seal of the United States of America, that Latin phrase, e pluribus unum, out of many, one. And it's a reminder that we are a unified coalition of people and states. Now, why all this talk about unity? Because ancient Israel might have benefited from a motto like, united we stand. We're in the book of 1 Kings. This is our stopping off place on the ultimate road trip through the Bible. And 1 Kings records a time when Israel fell into civil war and divided into two kingdoms. Now, the divide did not happen until after the reign of King Solomon. But his slide into immorality and idolatry near the end of his life contributed to the divide. In fact, in uh, 1 Kings chapter 11 and verse 11, and in response to Solomon's disobedience, the Lord says, since this has been your practice and you have not kept my covenant and my statutes that I have commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom from you and will give it to your servant. Sobering words and a tragic time In Israel's history, where the united kingdom, under which David ruled, or over which David ruled, and over which Solomon ruled, two consecutive 40-year reigns, now becomes a divided kingdom. Let's rewind history a little bit, and I want to take a closer look at King Solomon's glorious reign over this united monarchy. Uh, That's a a, a major portion of 1 Kings, the first half of it. I've given you a chart in your notes that gives us a bird's-eye view of the book of Kings, and I think it's important to get that. Uh, The book's 22 chapters really falls into two categories. Chapters 1 to 11 detail the 40-year reign of King Solomon over a united monarchy, which he inherited from his father, King David. Now, following the death of Solomon that we read about in chapter 11, chapters 12 through 22 record the reign of many kings, over a nation that has divided into the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. This can get a little bit confusing as you read through Scripture, but the northern kingdom, a confederation of, uh, uh, of ten tribes of Israel, is referred to from this point forward as Israel. The southern kingdom, made up of Judah and Benjamin, is referred to as, uh, as, as, as Judah. And Solomon... From chapter 12 forward was the last king to reign over a united Hebrew kingdom. Now the ten tribes of the northern kingdom from chapters 12 forward existed as an independent state until the Assyrians took Israel captive in 731 B.C. The tribes of Judah and Benjamin also existed then as an independent state until they were taken captive by the Babylonians in 586 B.C., but in both cases, the Lord sent the captors to punish and discipline Israel for turning from the one true God to serve other idols. It's the tragic story of the history of the nation of Israel here as they move from a united kingdom now to a divided kingdom. Now, 1 Kings begins near the end of David's 40-year reign as Israel's king, and just as he is reaching his, uh, his end, Adonijah tries to seize the throne and he does so unsuccessfully. David heard about this and he quickly anointed his son Solomon as his successor. And he rejoices at the end of chapter 1 by saying, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who has granted someone to sit on my throne this day and my own eyes seeing it. He got to see the transfer of the kingdom from himself to his son Solomon. Quickly, Solomon eliminates any threats to his throne. That's just what they did back then. But during that time, the Lord spoke to Solomon in a dream and invited him to ask for anything he desired. Can you imagine such a request? Can you imagine if the Lord came to you and said, Ask me for anything? What what would you put before the Lord? Well, Solomon's response is famous. This young king, according to chapter 3 and verse 9, says, Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people that I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to govern this your people? (laughs) What a response. I mean, Solomon could have asked for anything. He could have asked for long life. He could have asked for riches. He could have asked for the lives of his enemies. Instead, he requested wisdom from above to govern the people entrusted to his leadership. And this pleased the Lord immensely. In response, God gave Solomon a discerning heart, plus riches and honor, and the long life he did not request. In fact, the Lord says in chapter 3 and verse 13, no other king shall compare with you all your days. And uh, no other king did. The Davidic dynasty, which started under King David and uh, David ruled for 40 years, continued under Solomon for another 40 years. And Solomon um, really became the envy of the world. At that time, he was the king of kings, as it were. Other kings bowed down to him, said, Solomon, you you are the greatest. He ruled over everything and everyone from the Mediterranean Sea to the Euphrates River, from the Red Sea to the Lebanon. What a glorious dynasty it was, the Davidic dynasty, now reaching its zenith under the rule of King Solomon. Now, very quickly, Solomon put his wisdom on display, and one of the um, more well-known stories that emerges out of 1 Kings is found in chapter 3 when he adjudicates a dispute between two prostitutes who both claim to be the mother of the same child. You remember that story? And it confounded everybody else, but not Solomon. And the way he resolved the dispute and the way he, he, he made the real mother of that child emerge <laughs> made everybody just go, wow the wisdom of Solomon, and he was off and running. It is no exaggeration to say that Solomon was the wisest guy in the room, no matter the subject. Uh, you, you turn to this subject or that subject or another subject, Solomon was the wisest man in the room. In fact, First Kings chapter 4, verses 29 and 30 says, And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure, and breadth of mind like the sand of the seashore, so that Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt. He was a man of extraordinary intellect and ability. Solomon's wisdom ranged from theology to zoology, uh, from architecture to horticulture, uh, poetry, philosophy, you name it. Solomon was the wisest guy in the room. And in this way, Solomon is a type of Christ. I love the Christ connections that we've been able to make on the ultimate road trip through the Bible. Every book of the Bible points us in some way to the Christ who is to come from an Old Testament perspective. And the book of 1 Kings doesn't disappoint here. Solomon is a type of Christ in what way? Well, Colossians chapter 2 and verse 3 says of Jesus in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And I, I think of that um, understanding of Jesus, who is the Christ. And I think of the time when the boy Jesus, just 12 years old, was left behind by his parents in Jerusalem. Remember that story? A parent's nightmare, right? You go to Walmart, you get, get home, and you're like, I forgot my kids, right? Well, that happened to Mary and Joseph. And here's Jesus back in Jerusalem. They find him in the temple, this 12-year-old boy, and he is confounding the teachers. They say his, his understanding and his wisdom, I mean, it just raised everybody's eyebrows back then. Up
1: next, the second half of Dr. Ron Jones' message, First Kings, united or divided. If you're listening to Something Good Radio for the first time, We'd like to send you a free chapter of Ron's most popular book, Mysteries of the Afterlife. Consider it our way of saying, thanks for being part of our radio listening family. Stop by our new and improved website, somethinggoodradio.org and click the I'm new icon at the top of the homepage. That's somethinggoodradio.org. While you're there, share your prayer request with us by using the explore feature at the top of the homepage where you'll find the how can we pray for you option. Our ministry team will be happy to join you in prayer, so contact us anytime. King David had wanted to build a temple to the Lord in Israel to replace the traveling tabernacle that had been used up until that time, but God told David that his son Solomon would build it, and what a temple it was. Here's Ron with the rest of today's Something Good radio message, First Kings United or Divided.
0: The Bible says of Jesus that he grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with man. Uh, And, of course, later in the epistles, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. This is Jesus Christ. I don't care how many degrees you have. You, You can have alphabet soup past your name with all the degrees. It pales in comparison of the wisdom and knowledge of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that as believers in Christ, we have the mind of Christ. Isn't that incredible? And this is all pictured and portrayed in in Solomon as a foreshadowing of this one in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Not surprisingly, of the five wisdom books in the Old Testament, and this is a future road trip that we will take through the five wisdom books of the Old Testament, three of them are penned by Solomon. I'm talking about Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and of course, the Song of Solomon. Solomon also turned his father's dream into reality by building and furnishing God's house. You remember how David wanted to build God a house, and the Lord said, no, David, you're a man of warfare. You won't build the house. You can raise the funds for it, but you won't build it. But David, I will build a house for you and that was the rise of the Davidic di- dynasty of uh, the Davidic covenant that we learned about in 2nd Samuel and uh, but it was Solomon who would actually put that dream into reality he would take the funds that David raised and then some and build the first temple up until this time the Lord met with the people in a traveling worship facility called the tabernacle now the temple would be built under Solomon, and he spared no expense. Solomon built the glorious temple with cedars from Lebanon. If you were a wealthy person back then, (laughs) the best building materials came from the cedars of Lebanon. And then Solomon overlaid it with so much gold, I mean, it just dazzled uh, the eyes. Chapter 7 tells us that the labor force uh, required to build the worship facility, the temple, neared two 100,000 people. There were 3,200 chief officers who just managed the skilled labor. And it took seven years to complete the temple. And it became, you know, one of the wonders of the world at that time. Chapter 8 records the celebration and the dedication of the temple on opening day. It's worth just reading chapter 8. Uh, just to read Solomon's prayer of dedication and the, the wise words that he used to remind the people on that day of what God was doing in their midst. The zenith of the Davidic dynasty was, was, was on its way. And it was a glorious day when the temple was built and the temple was open and, and the people had uh, this place of worship. By the way, Solomon took another 13 years to build his own palace. (laughs) Uh, You know, worked worked out. Seven years to build God's, 13 years to build his own palace, and and it was quite glorious as well. So Solomon's fame grows, and this is really in the first 20 years of his reign, where the Davidic dynasty is reaching its zenith, even greater than his uh, father David, in terms of wealth and honor and prestige and prosperity and all of that. News of what the Lord had done for the king and for the nation uh, even reached the queen of Sheba. She was the ruler of the Sabaeans in the southern part of Arabia. And when she heard uh, what God was doing and who Solomon was, she was inspired to make a long journey, 1,200 miles on camelback to Jerusalem, to see for herself if the stories of Solomon's wisdom and wealth and glory and honor were actually true. And when the queen arrived, you can read about this in chapter 10, her eyes popped wide open. She could not believe what she actually saw with her own eyes. She said to Solomon, chapter 10, verse 6, the report was true that I heard in my own land of your words and of your wisdom, but I did not believe the reports until I came and uh, my own eyes had seen it. And behold, she says, the half of it was not told to me. Your wisdom and prosperity surpassed the report that I heard. And out of respect for the king, and this was the custom of the day, the queen of Sheba brought him spices and gold. It was great to be Solomon because just people brought you all kinds of stuff, gold and silver and spices, and his wealth just continued to grow that way. Chapter 10 and verse 13 tells us this is what Solomon did for the queen. King Solomon gave to the queen of Sheba, listen to this, all that she desired besides what was given her by the bounty of King Solomon. And so she turned and went back to her own land with her servants. I want you you to imagine this for a moment. Let's just slow down in verse 13 of chapter 10. Here the queen of Sheba comes, travels 1,200 miles. She's saying to herself, I've got to see if all this talk about Solomon is true. And she gets there, and her eyes are popping out. It's beyond anything she she could imagine. Uh, She brings her gifts to the king, and then the king turns around and lavishes her, the text says, with everything she asked for. And not only everything she asked for, but everything she desired. The implication is there are some things that she wanted, but maybe she felt, I don't know, it wasn't appropriate to ask for it. But Solomon kind of peeked into her heart, gave her everything she asked for, everything she desired. And then on top of that, there was something called the king's bounty. It's like the cherry on top of the, you know, the uh, ice cream sundae. And she walked away lavished in wealth and thinking, what in the world just happened here? We've been making some Christ connections along the way. This was, this was my favorite part of my study this week, was to see something in its fullness that I, I really hadn't seen before. But um, the way Solomon lavishes Queen Sheba reminds me of something the Apostle Paul wrote to the Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. Have you heard this before? Now unto him that is the Lord, now unto him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever, amen.
1: It is impossible to imagine what the glory of heaven will be like. Now we see but a dim reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now we know in part. Then we shall know fully, even as we are fully known. If you missed part of today's teaching or you'd like to hear it again, visit somethinggoodradio.org to listen on demand. That's somethinggoodradio.org.
0: Hello, friend. I'm Ron Jones of Something Good Radio. If you've been with us for a while, if you're a regular listener and God is using this broadcast in your life, I want to speak directly to you. When you first tuned in or streamed Something Good, did you know that other people paid to air that program? We call them our ministry partners. They have people just like you in mind when they donate monthly to Something Good which is a 100% listener-supported ministry. Now that you're a regular listener, will you do the same? Will you help us share something good with someone else? We created the 828 Club for people who choose to partner with this ministry through prayer and monthly financial support. It's based on Romans 828, which in the message says, every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. I'm asking you to prayerfully consider joining the 828 Club today by giving $28 or more per month to share something good with someone else. And when you do, we'll send you some resources to help you grow in your relationship with God. It's our way of saying thanks for your partnership in this gospel ministry. So please join the 828 Club today. Here's Brian with all the details. None of us can
1: accomplish God's will without a little help. Today, with your help, Something Good Radio will keep sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ through this media ministry. And when you partner with us, we'll send you a free copy of Ron Jones' full-length book, Mysteries of the Afterlife, Exploring Its Amazing Secrets. To join the 828 Club today, please visit our new and improved website, somethinggoodradio.org, and use the partners tab at the top of the homepage. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Or call 757 757- 276-1099 If you can't become a partner but would like to make a single donation to Something Good Radio today go to somethinggoodradio.org and make the best gift that you can as our way of saying thank you, we'll give you a copy of a new e-book by Dr. Ron Jones that goes along with his series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. The second in his series of 8 e-books is based on the historical books, Joshua through Esther. Request your ebook today when you make a gift to Something Good Radio. Make a donation online at somethinggoodradio.org or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456 you can also call our offices 757 276 1099
0: and there's an old saying there's no fool like an old fool and Solomon played that part even though he wrote the book of Proverbs about the wise road and the foolish road Solomon took the foolish road in his old age Uh, just because you're old doesn't mean you're wise You can be an old man or an old woman and make the stupidest, most foolish choices that have long-ranging consequences. And this is what happened uh, with Solomon. Uh, This evil angered the Lord so much that he said to Solomon, I'm gonna strip the kingdom from the hands of your son.
1: That's next time in part two of Dr. Ron Jones' message, First Kings, United or Divided. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.